welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. The topic that we want to cover uh, tonight is all about fear and dealing with fear. And uh, we had some people here with us uh, a little while ago for our Entrust training, and we asked around uh, with them what were some of the greatest fears that they were dealing with. And it seems like the world that we live in right now is filled with uh, different things that promote you to want to be afraid. Mm -hmm. I think about um, our friends overseas in uh, Europe, you know, in England, and then in in France, like all of these terrorist attacks that are happening. You know, you've got this constant struggle of what's going to happen in the Middle East. and, And here yet... Um, we've got fears as well that people face. And so, Derek, why don't you share um, some of these fears that these people uh, shared with us? And and you might actually resonate with some of these things that were uh, mentioned. And then we'll talk about really what is, you know, God's word and his response to uh, dealing with these fears. Sure. So we asked people what their greatest fears were. uh, And here are just a few of them. Uh, one of the big ones was uh, for family members that are unsaved. Uh, what's going to happen to them if, if they die before they're able to accept Christ? People were concerned about uh, illness within their family, cancer with their children or their grandchildren, uh, uncertainty, failure, judgment, uh, being persecuted. Some, are feared, some fear for the younger generation and the future of our society and what our world is going to look like. Some people are talking about the advancement of ISIS and the, uh, the possibility of terrorist attacks here in our country. Natural disasters, uh, things like apathy within the church, um, identity theft, bullies, other people in their world. Uh, one was uh, widowhood, losing, uh, losing her husband and the, the loneliness that would come with that and the fear of, of what life would be like if uh, she had to go on alone. Uh, And our final one was ungodly political leadership. If our country is led by someone uh, who does not know Christ, someone who is going to take us in a a direction uh, that brings us away from God rather than towards God. And I think the, the political aspect is one of those things that seems to be really at the forefront because, you know, if we look at what's happening in the United States with uh, President Trump. People mm-hmm. are looking at President Trump and saying, oh my goodness, look what he's doing. He's <laughs> doing some crazy things. What's that going to do? But we also need to remember that even within our own country, we we have an unsaved leadership that are are leading our our country into an, an attitude of uh, tolerance mm-hmm. and, and really moving us away from, from the Word of God. Now, one of the interesting things was I thought, hey, why not post this out on Facebook and ask people, you know, what is your greatest fear? And so these are non-saved, unsaved people that really came back to me and one said, you know, I'm just afraid of failure mm-hmm. or um, I'm afraid that my finances are going to completely run out. Right. And so then they were like, well, I'm just going to put all of that into my own hands so that I don't deal with those fears. And I think that's how the world really deals with those things, is they try to uh, push themselves and advance themselves 
to uh, deal with the fear. Or, you know, one of the ways you can do that is just buy all kinds of stuff to make you feel real good. Right. And get away from having to even think about the yeah. fear. But I wanted to start, you know, with looking at Colossians and seeing what Colossians has for us. And, and that's actually why, you know, you came to be a part of what we're doing uh, um, this week is looking at Colossians. And so why don't we look at Colossians and we can discuss together um, what's in chapter 2 that can help us really understand uh, about Christ. And so as we work through uh, Colossians 2, let me just paraphrase for you Colossians chapter 1. And so Paul in Colossians chapter 1, and there's a download available on our website of an observation worksheet of Colossians chapter 2. If you haven't got that already, make sure you follow the link at the bottom of this screen and you can download it and be ready. If you don't want to do that, grab your Bible and open it to Colossians chapter 2 and we are going to be uh, good to go. So let me not forget before we dig into his word, why don't we pray mm, and uh, give this time to the Lord. Father, uh, we do thank you for this time that we're going to have digging into your word and discussing how to deal with fear. How, Father, do we break away from that fear? What do we need to know and understand that's going to help us to live in this world that's filled with things that cause fear in our lives? Help us to see these truths and apply these truths. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Colossians chapter 1 really begins with Paul uh, telling him that he, uh, the people in Colossae that they, he is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. He lays out really that, you know, one thing we learn is he never met the Colossians right. firsthand, but that he was constantly praying for them. And he says, we give thanks to God the Father, verse 3, of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. They heard of, of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They heard that they had a hope laid up in heaven for them. And that the gospel was brought by a man by the name of Epaphras. And Epaphras then was in Rome reporting mm. with Paul uh, what was happening in this church. And so in Colossians chapter 1, he starts in verse 9. He says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And I think that really begins the basis of dealing with fear is this knowledge of his will and spiritual understanding. And if you want to highlight that, because he then says, so that in verse 10, you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight is how to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That doesn't mean that you're walking in fear. Then in chapter uh basically verse 15 all the way down, we begin to get these attributes of Jesus Christ and who he is. And, and he was the firstborn. Firstborn is repeated a number of times. And the other word that's repeated a number of times in chapter one is all things. Mm -hmm. And so all things are him created in him and through him. You know, all things were um, have been created through him and for him. He was before all things. In him, all things hold together. He's the head of the body of the church. And so we, Paul lays out all this doctrine of Jesus. And then we get to verse 28 and quick moving through. 
He says, we proclaim him and admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. And that's his desire that he has for all of the individuals in the recipients of this letter is that they be made full in Christ. Now look at what we have in chapter 2. And we're going to work our way to um, verse um, 12, right, Derek? I think verse the end of verse 12 is where we want to go, is where the last thing we see uh, with Jesus. And right. So uh, I'm going to read um, through these verses. You follow along with me. And we want to look for uh, the things that uh, mention Jesus Christ. So we want to put a cross over Jesus. And then we want to really look for those things that are uh, we have in him. So maybe we want to draw a circle around those things that we have in him. And then uh, we'll have Derek, Pastor Derek, walk us through what that list is of the things that we have in him. And so look at verse 2. It says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf, and for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself. So put a cross over Christ himself. Now look at verse 3. We want to circle this. In whom all hidden are, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive arguing. For even though I am absent in the body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in who? In Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so, watch for it, circle it, walk in him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy, empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Verse 9 says, for in him... All the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him, you should circle that as well. Buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him. Circle raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, when we do inductive Bible study, every time we go and we mark on the text, what do we do, Derek? You know, we write a list. I caught him off guard, but it's all right. We write a list. So let's look through and get the list of everything that we see there. 
And so what would what would we be putting on our list, Derek, of the things of in him that we would find from Jesus Christ? Well, we first know that God's mystery is Christ himself. And there are some things that we receive because we are in Christ. And in verse 3, uh, it is, we're told that it, it is in Christ himself that is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so we receive these things because they are in Christ. This is Paul's desire for the church in Colossae, that they would have all the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge. He's concerned about their walk in verse, um, in verse 6. He says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And they received Christ Jesus when Epaphras brought them the gospel. They received Jesus in faith, and Paul wants them to walk in faith. And in verse 9, it says that for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Paul gives the church of Colossae a number of warnings, and there's one here. To see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy or empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of, of the world, rather than according to Christ. And Paul says all of those things are empty, are meaningless. They are of the world. What we have is something better. Those are empty, and what we have in Christ is fullness, the fullness of the deity that dwells in bodily form. And finally, we are circumcised in him, uh, and we are, uh, sorry, in verse 10, it says that we have been made complete in Christ Jesus, that, and he is the head over all rule and authority. We lack nothing with Jesus Christ. He is the full deity, and he makes us complete, and he is a rule over all things, over all authority. All of it comes under the authority of Jesus Christ. It's amazing, isn't it? And, and that's kind of where I wanted to go with a, a starting point for here. You know, we're, we're two preachers sitting at the table here, and so you know two preachers are going to bring points, right? You know, we, we'd have to bring points, but this is probably not necessarily one of those three-point sermons, mm -hmm. but maybe more of a six-point yeah. sermon. And so six points on understanding and how to deal with fear. Mm. And so I think the first point actually comes out of what we're looking at in Colossians chapter 2 as well as Colossians chapter 1 with these in hymns. Mm -hmm. you know? And what this in him all hidden are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge is one and then the other one, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete. He is the head over all rule and authority. And so I think point number one would be fear is tamed mm. by remembering who Jesus is. And so why don't you kind of... Talk to that point for a moment, Derek, that how important it is to know who Jesus is and what we have in him and how that kind of battles that fear that might come about. Hmm. You see, in Jesus, what we've looked at is all the things that are characteristics of him that we get to, uh, that we get to tap into because we are also in Christ Jesus and he is our life. And if we remember these truths about Jesus, then, then there's no room for fear. 
I think the biggest problem with fear is, is sometimes we forget what is true about Jesus Christ. And what Paul wants for the church in Colossae and what we want uh, for you or anyone that experiences fear is to remember what we have in Christ. And the first thing that we see here in Colossians is wisdom and knowledge that we can go to God's word and we can find out who Jesus Christ is. Sometimes we don't remember all those things that we receive in Jesus Christ, but we have wisdom and we have knowledge in him. We can go to his word and uh, we can be reminded of those things. We're also given the fullness of deity, which means that Jesus Christ is fully God mm. and it dwells in bodily form. When Jesus was here on earth, he wasn't just a part of God. He was the fullness of God. And in Jesus Christ, what we have is someone who is, uh, who is that, is in fact God. And God himself came to die for us, to bring us freedom from our sin, and that includes bringing freedom for fear. We have no need to fear because what we have is we have a God who is with us and in us and on our side. And finally, we have been made complete, full, perfect, that there is no room for anything else. We've been made uh, complete and we've been made complete uh, so that we can walk in a manner that is worthy of, uh, of the calling that we have and worthy of, of God. Uh, so there is no room for fear when we remember who Jesus Christ is and what it is that he has done for us. And I think one of the greatest examples was the Apostle Paul. And uh, he, he understood that he had no fear, you know. Mm. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you want to write down as a cross-reference, he begins to talk about this, this life that we'll have, this body that we'll have, uh, because of our um, our knowledge and our position in Jesus Christ, he says that the imperishable, are uh, the perishable become imperishable, mm -hmm. that our our bodies will be changed. And you know, one of the fears on the list was you know dying. Yeah. And so, well, I'm, I'm a, I have a fear of what's going to happen when I die. Mm -hmm. But you know what Paul said? Paul said. In Corinthians, he said, Oh, death, where is your sting? You know, oh, where is your victory? Where is your sting? Death is swallowed up in victory. Like, you know, these, these words from Paul, when it comes to understanding his position in Jesus Christ, he would be able to look death in the face like you and I would kind of joke about another hockey team or a football team or a baseball team, and we'd say, Oh, you're, you're no good. And that's what Paul's doing. He's talking smack to death and going, Where's your victory, man? You got Where's nothing. your sting? Yeah. You've got nothing because Jesus has defeated death. Mm -hmm. And because he's defeated death and we have all of these things in Jesus Christ, we should not fear. Mm. And so let's look at really quickly, keep your fingers in First uh, Colossians, but I, I really want to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verse 7 and 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, and what it says here is, For God has not given us a spirit of, what? Timidity, mm -hmm. but of power, love, and discipline. I think what we need to understand here is that fear does not come from right. God. Mm -hmm. And so fear does not come from God. That comes from the outside, 
It comes from the world and the surroundings around us when we forget our position. And so um, the second point that we kind of want to look at here is, you know, that God has the power and he gives us that power. Mm -hmm. And so let's kind of talk through that for a moment. And what, how does the power of God change uh, our mind and our focus for dealing with fear? Hmm. When we understand God's power, we can look at stories like David and Goliath. He goes up against Goliath. He should be afraid, but he's not. And just like Paul, he says some, some pretty uh, strong things to the giant as he approaches him. He has no fear because he knows that God is on his side. Um, when it comes to God's power, especially when it comes to uh, fear or, or anxiety or not knowing uh, what's going to happen in my life, I always go back to Romans 8.28 that says, God works all things for good, for the good of those who love him, who he has called. I think sometimes we forget two things about God, that he is completely sovereign, which means nothing happens in our life and in our world that is outside of his control. So he is completely sovereign, but he is also all good. And if we remember those two things, that God is completely sovereign and all good, then everything that happens in our life, though it may be painful, it is from God and it is always going to work for good. And if we can live our lives understanding uh, that God is sovereign over all of it, then everything that happens is because God has, has designed it to happen that way, and that God is only and all good, then everything that happens to us, as difficult and painful as it can be, God can and will use that for good. If we forget God is all sovereign and God is always only good, then we can be scared. We don't have control, but God has control. And I think some of the fears that, that we listed a lot of them fall under this, this thought of not being in control. But God wants us to give up control of our life and give it over to him because he knows so much better than we do what we want, uh, what we need, and the, things that, uh, that, the gifts that he wants to give us. I think one of the um, interesting aspects of that, that power and understanding the sovereignty of God, in Psalm chapter 2, you can write this down as a cross-references, and, and one of the fears was about the political mm -hmm. uh, scope. And so Psalm chapter 2 answers, hits that political aspect right nail on the head. And it says, why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? These are the leaders of the nations devising a vain thing. The kings of the earth take their stand. The governments of the earth take their stand. And the rulers take counsel together. They plan and scheme together. And it says, um, against the Lord and against his anointed. What are you seeing in the world today? You are seeing political people and governments. And what are they doing? They're scheming and devising mm -hmm. and they're putting their plans together against the Holy One, Jesus Christ. Everything that we're seeing happen is going absolutely against the counsel of the Word of God. You know, same-sex marriage against the counsel of God. All of these different things. And, you know, in Ontario, we're getting to have these um, this new bill coming through in voting where, you know, children can be taken out of homes if they are um, not supportive of 
certain beliefs and systems. Mm -hmm. And so all of these schemes come against the anointed one. And it says, let us tear their feathers apart and cast away their cords from us. The fetters equals the word bonds. Mm -hmm. But here is what uh, this verse, first three verses, the Gentile kings are revolting against the kingdom of God. And in verse four, it goes, he who sits in the heavens laughs. Mm -hmm. The Lord scoffs at them. And then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. And the sovereignty of God is that Jesus was sent by his Father to heaven to die on the cross, to defeat sin and death. And you know what? He is sovereign over all. And what just blows my mind in all of this is that it says that he who sits on the throne sits back and laughs. <laughs> yeah. And you see that, that God is looking and going, what are you doing? It's hilarious. You think you can thwart my plan? Mm -hmm. You can't thwart my plan. And this is the God that we believe in and we put our trust in. In Psalm chapter 56 David, and you know, the Psalms are wonderful because it says at the very top what the Psalm was all about. And it's the Psalm of David when the Philistines seized him at Gath. And this is what he says in verse 3. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I will put my trust. And then he says, I shall not be afraid. Mm. And so what do you think? about knowing and understanding the sovereignty of God and how that changes your attitude towards the list of things that you see. Yeah, there's no need to fear because we put our trust in the one who is in control of and over all things. Jesus talks in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, why do you worry about, about food, about, about the clothes on your back? Why are you concerned about tomorrow? And he says, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. He says, if I take care of them, how much more will I take care of you? Sometimes we fill our lives with concerns and we try and make sure everything is, is set up. We get all our ducks in a row and we think that's going to, once that happens, then we're going to be okay. But the problem with ducks is they don't stay in a row. Mm -hmm. And then, we, then our anxiety goes from trying to keep everything together that we have put together. But when we give that control over to God, then it's not... It's not for us to make sure everything stays the way we want it. It's for us to allow God, give up, give. The, and there's freedom in putting our trust in God and allowing him to lead and guide our life. Absolutely. Now look back here, First, Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but he has given us uh, power. And then the second thing that he's given us is love. Mm -hmm. And so let's look at uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, and see that what it says in 1 John 4, 18, it says, there is no fear in love, mm -hmm. but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected mm. in love. 
And so what kind of love are we talking about here? It's the love of who? Of Christ. Of, of Christ. God. And what has he done for us? Everything. He has, <laughs> he has done it all. He, has, he casts out our fear and replaces it with love. Him, Christ on the cross, is a picture of God's love for us. And it accomplishes so much for us. Uh, and, and fear is about being scared of things that can harm us, that can hurt us. But what Jesus Christ has done for us means that we cannot be hurt. We cannot be harmed. Like Mark was saying, uh, the devil and, and death have been defeated. It's already finished. Right. And so I want you to see here that um, third point that you can write down is that we really should live in fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. But a reverence for the Lord. Right. And so why don't you um, kind of tell what it is, how do you live in reverence to the Lord? Mm -hmm. it's, it's not about being scared of God, but it's about, it's again, it's about knowing who God is. Sometimes I will sit back and I will just think about who God is, all that he's done. You simply look around at the world that he created. Um, you think about what he has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, we've been talking about, um, in, our, in our Colossians study, not just about what he has done for us here, but what he continues to do for us. Jesus Christ sits on the right hand of God, intercedes for us. He's preparing a place for mm -hmm. us. And uh, I am in awe of, um, of how much God loves me, that I'm just one, and yet he sent his son for me. He sent his son for you. Jesus Christ talks to his father about you because he loves and he cares for you. He's preparing a place for you. And sometimes it, it's overwhelming, the love that God has uh, for each and every one of us. And so sometimes all I can do is just bow in prayer and reverence and gratitude towards God. We see through his entire word how powerful he is, that that at the, at the stroke of his hand, uh, he can do all things. He simply spoke and brought the world into being. He saw the world uh, that was unrighteous and going against him, and he wiped it out except for Noah, who he found favor. Mm. And God can do so much, and God does do so much. And, and when I think about who God is and what he's done uh, for me, I sit in awe, and I am uh, reverent to him. When I pray, I, I make sure that it's, it is gracious, glorious, almighty God because he deserves the, my, my reverence and my respect um, and my humility. And uh, God is a, a God who is so much bigger and so much greater. And yet, uh, even me, lowly little sinner, is loved by him. Yeah, and First uh, John there, uh, 19 says, we love because he mm -hmm. first loved us. That perfect love that casts out fear. And I was just thinking back to the cross-references that we even talked about earlier in the day with our, um, our lesson that we did in Ephesians chapter 2, where the fear of God changes. Mm. You know, this fear, it begins with, you know, and you were dead in your trespasses and in your sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the year, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, too, uh, we were all formerly lived in the lusts of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. 
and were by nature children of wrath, even at rest. Mm -hmm. And you think about the fear of the Lord that you that you would should have then. It's literally the fear of the Lord that you will not be destroyed right. because of your sin. Yeah. But now, because of that perfect love of Jesus Christ, that perfect love of God, it says right here in verse 4 of Ephesians 2, but God, rich in his mercy because of his great love, in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And so when you really grasp that, mm. you know, that uh, Colossians chapter, I think it was chapter 2, maybe chapter 1, I can't remember, but it was that he nailed right. all of the um, debt, the debt of certificate to the cross. Yeah. And when he nailed that debt of certificate to the cross, you know, our fear of death, our fear of destruction, our fear of God changed to a reverence for him because that perfect love, by that perfect love, he loved us enough and he made us alive. Mm. And so we should really live in reverence to him. And when we live in reverence and fear to him, what happens to everything around us as far as those things that we worry about um, that are from the outside coming in? They become unimportant. We're consumed with the love that he has for us. We're consumed with this reverence and fear that we have for him, that we're no longer concerned about making sure that all of those little things are taken care of. And we allow God, who is all-powerful and all-loving and all-good, to take care of those things on our behalf. Right. Now, uh, just moving on. So let me just remind you, uh, fear is tamed when we remember Jesus. Right. Uh, we have um, an all-powerful God, and, and we have the ability to tap into that power. And then there is living in the fear of the Lord instead of living in the fear of men. And I think some of these things on our list result in fear of man. Right. And we get caught up in worrying about living for, for what man says, and we forget about God. Now look at back at um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse uh, 7. God has not given us a spirit of timidity. We have put this in place that God does not uh, breed fear. Right. And so now it says he's given us uh, not a spirit of timidity, but of power. And so we've talked about power. And love, and what's the final one? Power and love and discipline. And discipline. And so what do you think uh, by looking at this is, is this discipline that he's referring to? I think it's, it's discipline, discipleship. It's, it's about focus. It's about, uh, it's about, when I think of discipline, I think of, there's something that I have to better for myself, or there's something I have to change in my life. And because it doesn't come naturally, I have to develop a discipline, which means I have to be conscious of it. I have to think of it. I have to be reminded of it. And that's what we have here. He gave us a spirit of discipline that we can 
focus in on what it is that God has done for us. Hmm. And so I'm going to get, uh, Derek, you turn back to Colossians chapter uh, 2, and but I want to read from you 2 Corinthians chapter 10, because uh, these two thoughts will go along together with, you know, what Paul's really saying. And I think um, it's when he's talking about uh, uh, this here in, chap in chapter 3, verse 2, which you'll bring out, and, and I want you to see 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in in verse 5 and his says we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive mm. into the obedience of Christ and I think that it is so vital that we take all of those things that come and bring about us and that strike up that fear within us that we actually take those things captive. Mm. And I can remember Kay uh, teaching, and she was talking about taking things captive, and, and she said, you know, it's okay for them to knock at the door. Right. But don't open the door. <laughs> yes. Because when you open the door, it gets in there, and then it, when it gets in there, it starts rattling around. Mm -hmm. And I can remember uh, one of the first sermons that I ever preached, and I knew that... Uh, the pastor that was mentoring me was sitting in the, in the pew, uh, and I was so afraid mm. of what he was going to say to me and what was going to happen. Was I doing right? And I didn't take that captive and understand that, you know what, it's the Holy Spirit who's going to work through mm -hmm. me. But here I was. I was so focused on what that individual was going to say that I can't even remember what happened in the sermon, whether it was, oh, it's probably terrible. <laughs> but that's what, what was grabbing there. And once I let that in, that seed of doubt, and the one thing that you may be even able to attest to is that every time I, I have that sermon from the point now, I still have that seed of doubt that mm. pops in and says, you know, oh, you didn't do a good job. And, and, I, and you, you didn't touch, uh, handle the word well this time. You said some things you shouldn't have said. And I really, you know, I've, I've been learning and grabbing onto the fact that don't let that in there because that's the enemy that's right. wanting to knock down yeah. one of God's servants and to not do the job anymore. Mm -hmm. So uh, in your experience, Derek, how does one continue to to live that? Because that's, that's the part of what Timothy and Paul are talking about in discipline. How mm -hmm. do you take every thought captive? It says in Colossians that uh, if you have been raised in Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2 in chapter 3 says, Set your mind on things above and not on things that are on earth. Paul gives an instruction that they must now focus on the things above. Don't worry about what the world is saying. Don't worry about all of the other stuff. Focus on, on God. And the more we focus on God, the more we go to His Word, the more we learn about Him, the more we learn about His power, the more time we spend focusing on Christ, um, the, the more we understand about Him, and the more we will live in fear of fear the more we will live in the fear of Him. 
Paul wants the church in Colossae, who are already a faithful group of believers, to continue to set their mind on things above, focus in on Jesus Christ and what he has done. Yeah, and that really brings us to that point number four, which you want to write down, which is the more you choose the fear of the Lord, the more spiritually you mm. become. And so the more that you set your mind on the things above, the more spiritual you come, the more uh, stronger in your faith, the more grounded in Christ Jesus, the more you realize your foundation, that you just grow to be able to take those things. And I think really what happens is you begin to recognize the voice of doubt versus the Holy Spirit. That's right. And when you recognize the Holy Spirit speaking, you can say to the voice of doubt, get out of there. That's right. Because I am secure in Jesus Christ. Mm. All right. So here, we've got four points for you so far. We've got um, fear was tamed by remembering Jesus. We've got the power of God. We've got live in the fear of the Lord. And the more you choose the fear of the Lord, the more spiritually you become. And so I also wanted to kind of look through um, some of these things that we've got on our list. And, and some of them actually uh, revolve around death. Mm -hmm. And so why don't we uh, take a few minutes to talk about uh, death and, and the fear of death. Now, we have a 40-minute Bible study called Heaven, Hell, Life After Death. And you should uh, pick that up and understand. Listen, what's going to happen to my family members that are unsaved? Mm -hmm. You know, how important is it to give them the gospel? Well, all of that is in that 40 minute because it teaches you about what is heaven, what is hell, and what's going to happen uh, to you after you die. And you can get that from our website. But I wanted to talk about this whole idea of death and how does that fit in um, with that? How do we have peace uh, now knowing that one day we are uh, going to die or that worry of, well, what if I get cancer? Mm. Or what if there's a car accident? Or, you know, all of these situations that are completely out of our control, but yet right. they control our, mm. our mind and we don't grab them and take them captive. First of all, worrying about them doesn't stop them from happening. Worrying about getting cancer doesn't stop cancer from showing up. Worrying about a car accident doesn't stop a car accident from happening. So first of all, they don't help. Worrying and fearing about these things, uh, really, um, they don't help. Uh, they only make you a, a fearful person. I've got a verse here, Derek, that we can look at. Psalm 139. And Psalm 139... Uh, Verse 16 uh, is a really great verse that might help us to give an understanding of what we're doing. And uh, what he says, okay, first starting at verse 13, For you formed my inward parts. Mm -hmm. uh, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. 
Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, mm. yet uh, when as yet there was not one of them. You think about that? That mm. God, before we were born, uh, he knew who we were, but he also knew the number of days we would spend on this earth. Mm. And so that really speaks back to the point that you talked about earlier with the power of God and his sovereignty. So how, how do these verses help us, uh, you know, take those thoughts captive on fear of death? Well, it's, it's that it is, it's up to God. And again, if God is sovereign and God is good, then everything happens according to his purpose, which is also always only good. If we can rest in God, who, who knew us from before, before when? From before, or before, before. He always knew us. Um, right? Psalm talks about how he, he, the numbers, or he knows the, the hairs on our head. He knows us so intimately, and he knows uh, from the very beginning that our names are written in his book, and that our days are numbered. And sometimes we use, or, or that sounds like a threat, or it sounds ominous, your days are numbered. But all that means is that, is that God knows everything that there is to know about you. Uh, and that comes not out of power, that comes out of love, of, of his, his love for you. When I look at what Paul says about death, uh, Paul was, uh, wasn't scared of death. Uh, Paul's concern uh, was that he wanted so badly to be with his heavenly father, uh, but he he decided that it was good for him to be here, to do ministry, to spread the gospel. Um, and uh, what we have, what Jesus Christ has prepared for us, is better than, uh, than what this earth has. The best of our earth uh, is nothing compared to uh, what Jesus Christ has in store for us. Should we fear death? Death can be scary, absolutely. Whether it's our own death, whether it's the death of, of a loved one, of a family, or, or a friend, um, but what we can know is, is when we uh, are children of God, uh, that death isn't the end for us, uh, that this life is a blip and, uh, and God is waiting for us. And that's why we, when we talk about death, we say it's, it's coming home, that God brings us home because that's where we belong. We are called sojourners, strangers, aliens here on earth uh, because we have been made and created uh, to be eternal beings and we will spend that eternity with God. And I was thinking just real quick, and I'll see if I can turn there fast to see how good my Bible study skills are. But in Revelation, you know, it talks about um, the new heaven and the new earth. Mm -hmm. And for those who are believers and who, you know, are worried about that, that death that will come, you know, what's going to happen. And, and the very fact that John says, I saw a new heaven and a mm -hmm. new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, you know. If you have your security in Jesus Christ, you know your position, you know your citizenship is in heaven. That's right. You know what? I'm looking directly into the camera and telling you that, you know what? You don't want to stay here. You want to be with the Father. Because this earth that is here now, the houses that have been built, the things that you've got together you know, all of that stuff is going to be gone mm -hmm. because it's talking about that first earth that's going to pass away. Right. That means it's gone anyway. 
But what you as a believer get to experience is so much beyond this earth that we're on now. We get to be a part of the new heaven and the new earth, this holy city, New Jerusalem that is coming, where it says there will no longer be any death, no longer be any uh, mourning or crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are days where I sit and I think to myself, okay, hold on a minute. You know what? I'm not ready to go. Yeah. Because there is so much work to be done mm -hmm. that, you know, here I am. I go and I love to run marathons and work out. So I'm pressing my body and getting it into a position where, you know, science will tell me I'll live longer. I, I read a study just a little while ago for, for every um, 30 minutes of running, you add an hour to your life. And I'm thinking to myself, Wow, I just ran one hour, so now I get two extra hours. You know, and so for for what science is telling me, what it's telling me is that if I keep my body in good form and in good shape, all of those things, that I'm actually going to prolong my life, which actually, it makes me excited because I get to minister more in a, war, in a corrupted world that needs much more ministry. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this physical body that I have was meant to go away so that I could have that new imperishable body and be resurrected with Jesus. And there are parts of me that want that now. Yeah. And so I don't want, I don't want to wait. <laughs> but then I know from Psalm that my days have been ordained right. before I was born. Right. And so when I look at that and I say to myself, I am here for a purpose, I am here for a reason, and when that is finished, then God will take mm -hmm. me home. And I think about John chapter 17, and what we covered on our tour was when Jesus had finished his work, he said, Father, I have accomplished all that you have given me to do, and the Father took him home. Mm -hmm. And how encouraging that was. And so our days are numbered. You know, just to know that the sovereignty of God, he has you for that time and that purpose. But, you know, one of the really big burdens is for our loved ones who are unsaved. That's right. And so I wanted to just say um, to that, that one of the things that we need to be doing is we need to be praying. Uh, no man comes to God unless God draws that man to him. Right. Yeah. And so we need to make sure that we are praying that God would do a mighty work in the individual's lives so that they would be saved. But more than just praying, we need to be active in um, teaching mm -hmm. and uh, having them observe all I commanded. Um, so why don't you, Derek, just kind of explain, you know, Matthew chapter 28 and the whole fact of what Jesus left us to do um, and the importance, because I think that there's two things that we need to kind of begin to wrap up with. One is, how do we get over that fear of um, what's going to happen to our loved ones? What can we do about it? And then let's talk more practically about what we can do to overcome some of these fears. Sure. This is one of my favorite passages, and I just preached on it last week. The final words of Jesus Christ. Final words are important. <laughs> and so the last thing that he wants to be on his disciples' mind, when they think, remember what Jesus said, this is, this is freshest in their mind. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Jesus makes one final instruction to his disciples. And as Jesus speaks to the 11 that were there, he speaks to us as well, that our responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ, our job is to make disciples, to not just make disciples, but make disciples of all nations, which means there is, there is no one who does not deserve the grace of God. There is no one for whom the gospel is not good enough. And we are to make disciples, we are to baptize, and we are to teach them. It's not enough to just simply bring someone uh, to, to faith in Jesus Christ and then leave them alone. We're told to teach them all that I commanded, to teach them the words of Jesus Christ, to bring them back to Scripture, to God's Word. And when they go to God's Word, they understand who God is. And the, the encouragement here in this is that even though he is leaving, this is moments before he leaves his disciples, he says to them that I am with you always. When we go to witness, when we go to bring the gospel to our family, to our friends, to people we've just met, we never go alone. Jesus Christ is always with us. The Holy Spirit goes before us and prepares the hearts for those to hear. It is, our, it is not our job to save. It is our job to bring the message of the gospel. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict of sin and to bring about salvation. Yeah, and so, uh, so important that we, you know, we have to get involved in that. Again. Mm -hmm. You know, not hope that somebody else is going right. to evangelize, especially if it's our family members. We should have the boldness and courage and love to be able to sit with them at the dinner table and say, listen, this is, this is what I believe. This is what's changed my life. And, and especially when you're, you might have some people who are dealing with fear and sitting around the table talking about that, and you can say, listen, helplessness uh, breeds fear. Mm. But if you want to get over that helplessness, we know of a God who is sovereign, is in control, and we have this Word of God that we can teach you to help you move away from those fears of man and move to a fear of the Lord. Mm. Uh, John chapter 5, there's the story of the pool of Bethesda and uh, there's the man in the pool and he's he's laying there and he's ill for 38 years and the Bible says that every so often the pools would stir and uh, the sick they would go into the pools and they would um, be healed by the waters and here was this man laying beside uh, 38 years hmm. you know sick and, and not dealing with the illness and, and Jesus comes by and says, do you not want to be well? And, and the response was, there's no man to put me into the pool. Mm. And uh, you wonder, and I've been to the pool of Bethesda area in Israel and seen it. And I thought to myself, what if that man, if he, if he truly, truly wanted to be well, even if it took all of his ability, would he not have screamed and yelled and begged or done something over those 38 years to, to throw, you mm -hmm. know, in the pool. And here, when he goes by, in the very fact that Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Mm -hmm. And right there in that moment, it said, immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. And so I think that a part of dealing with fear is that we actually have 
to do something right. about it. Yeah. And so what are some of the practical um, pieces of advice, Derek? Maybe you've given them to church members in, uh, in your congregations. And how, how can you deal with fear? It's, it's difficult. Fears are real. People are scared of, we went through this whole list of all of these things. It's not enough to just simply say, well, just don't be scared anymore, uh, because that doesn't work. Fear needs to be replaced with something. And you need to replace fear with confidence. That, um, and the confidence isn't in confidence in ourselves, uh, as me, as their pastor uh, of their church, but confidence in, in who God is and what he has done. If people are scared, if people are fearful, um, the best thing that I can do for them is to uh, point them towards the Bible. Bring them back to God's Word. Remind them who God is. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't always mean that fear goes away, but what it means is that, is that when they understand who God is, they are sitting in, um, in His protection, in His love. And that doesn't mean bad things stop happening, but what it means is, uh, is that those things that happen aren't, uh, won't destroy your life. Who, how God feels about you, who you are in God's eyes, doesn't change when bad things happen. If, uh, if you are widowed, you are still a child of God. If you are persecuted, you are still a child of God. That will never change. And that should be the thing that is most important in our life, and is who we are uh, according to God. Yeah, and the final, uh, uh, point number five, I'm going to give you two of the points. Uh, Point number five is you cannot die uh, without God's um, will. And that's God's will. He's ordained your days. You cannot die without God's approval. Mm -hmm. God has that set before you, and nothing will happen to you without God's approval. Point number six Walk in fear of the Lord. In the Colossians passage, walk in a manner mm-hmm. worthy of Him. Set your mind on the things above. And, and I, I go back to David, and we've just got a few moments left in Psalm chapter 56, verse 10. One of the, the most important ways, I think, in which we can properly handle fear and the fear that comes around us, he says in verse 10, In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? And you know what the reality is? The reality is that if you don't know God, then you will not be able to deal with fear. Mm -hmm. You see, David knew his God. David knew the promises of covenant. David knew everything he needed to know about God. Hey, he had some blips in his life, but he knew God. And when did he go back to God the most? When he was in Mm-hmm. When Saul was chasing after him, right, yeah. when he was being seized, he says, I will put my trust in you. And when you read through the Psalms, you will see the number of times that David was delivered by God. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't know the word of God, 
Think about this to what we started with. Jody Lee, Derek's husband, Kay said, how many books of the Bible do you know? And uh, she said, there's 66 books in the Bible and you should know everyone. And Derek's wife said, I don't know them. And that challenged her to get into the Word of God more. And it came home. She came home and got this guy mm -hmm. deep into the Word of God. And so it's by the Word of God and it being in you and the foundation within you that you will be able to handle those fears. If you're not in this, you will continue to live in fear because this is the only thing that gives us hope. And so we want to thank you uh, for joining us. Derek, thanks for being a part My of this pleasure. tonight. And I want to encourage you uh, to, to go on over to our e-store because we have this book. It's a 40-minute Bible study called Breaking Free from Fear. And it has uh, a number of the principles that we talked through tonight that uh, you can find directly in here. And so it's a six-week Bible study, no homework. But maybe you know somebody who's struggling with fear. And you can get this. Hey, get two of them and do the study with somebody else and help them to conquer that fear fear and that worry that they have about the things of this world and what's going on. Many of the listed things that we talked about as far as fears go, I'm sure many of you have had those fears or de dealing with those fears now. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.